Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Elixinol. And don't take our word on Elixinol. Take former Broncos quarterback Jake Plummer's word on it. Plummer is a huge fan of Elixinol's hemp balm, a topical pain reliever that is just one of their many great non-THC products. What's more, 5% of your purchase will go to a nonprofit of your choice when you visit Elixinol.com to get yours today. This morning at the NFL owners' meetings in Arizona, Vic Fangio sat down with media for quite a long time, Zach, and um, unfortunately we weren't able to be there because of extenuating circumstances, but we were able to watch and we were able to read and we were able to listen. Zach, what did we learn? What did we learn, Ryan? I'm just so confused now. I am so confused. The Broncos are doing a great job right now of just making everything not make sense. Did we go the? Did we do the opposite of learning? <laughs> we did. Well, I don't know what it is. We like forgot. To, like we lost information. We lost what we thought we knew. Especially the important stuff when we're talking about the first round. What's it been this whole time for the past month? Inside linebacker is really the one big need. That's probably where the Broncos are leaning right now. I think that's where everyone in Denver was leaning. Of course, you had quarterback try to poke its hole in there. Uh, tight end, of course, Ryan's dark horse of the day every day, tries to poke that hole at inside linebacker, and it never really, really nudges that much. And what does Vic Fangio come out and say today? He was asked uh, about Devin White and Devin Bush, and immediately he says, well, neither of those guys are as good as Roquan Smith. What if he said, <laughs> but you know who is? Mac Wilson. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'd be the happiest guy in the world. I would have slammed my computer shut and just walked away. I'm done with you, Vic. <laughs> I was like, why you got to do that to me? Like, I would be convinced he's listening to the podcast if that happened. Um, yeah, I got to admit, Zach, that was... I'm so confused. You know what? Vic Fangio said something today that was poetic. He said something along the lines of, Guys who sit there and try to read the tea leaves on the draft drive themselves crazy. And here I am over here pulling my hair out trying to read the damn tea leaves. And I don't know what they're doing. But I will say, that was oddly forward. And he hasn't been shy of being forward. 
But I, I will say I got a little, I got a little bit of smoke screen on that. I, I smelled the smoke. And why? Because it seemed too, is he seemed too ready for that answer. Like it almost seems like he had thought it up in his head before. Okay, if they ask about, um, if they ask about linebacker, I'm gonna say they're not as good as Roquan Smith. Like if anyone, if he's listened to any media, at all, and I've heard that the upstairs offices at um, the UCL training center aren't exactly um, adverse to the airwaves, I'll say. If he's heard anything, he's heard the word, the name Roquan Smith come up a thousand times. We've probably brought it up once a day on this podcast because that was the missing piece for him. Well, there's two missing pieces. It was Khalil Mack and it was Roquan Smith. And obviously the Broncos already have their Khalil Mack times two. So everyone in Denver has been saying Roquan Smith, Roquan Smith, Roquan Smith, Roquan Smith. And if he's heard any of that, and he doesn't want people to think that the Broncos are just locked in on linebacker, I could see him saying, all right, well, I'll just say they're not as good as Roquan Smith. Or do you think it could be he was so ready for it because he's done so much research on both of these guys because he thought one of these guys was going to be the answer, especially after the combine when he tells us that the Broncos need to add a few pieces there and then both of the Devons go out and blow the combine away and he probably sees those and goes, okay, yeah, these are my guys. I just have to find out which one it is. Then he goes and watches the film and is like, what? In the first round? Are you kidding me? I mean, could that be it? That he's just watched so much of these guys because, Ryan, we know and we're going to dive into this, he hasn't watched the quarterbacks yet. What's he been doing since he took the job? Because we, we know he hasn't been watching the 2018 Broncos to, to find out about the players on his team. He hasn't been watching the quarterbacks. He's got to be watching something, right? Yes. <laughs> it's a good point because we know all he likes to do is watch film. <laughs> yeah. And from what I've heard, he he's living in the hotel. Everyone knows that. Yeah. But he might as well just be living in the facility. Like yeah. they might like the hotel is purely uh, symbolic. At this point, <laughs> they might as well give him a damn bed yep. and put it in his office because he doesn't leave the place. He's there first thing in the morning, and he's and he's not going home until late, late at night or, or or early the next morning. Just go full Mike Shanahan. Right. Just I mean, why not? Yep. You have a nice <laughs> facility there. Maybe there's like some zoning laws against that. I don't know, but just. Bring him a bed and just give him a space to just live there. It seems stupid. There's a chef there. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for him to actually leave at this Bathroom, point. showers, everything. That's going to be the next wave of, mm. like, coaching. I feel like it'll happen in college football first. They'll build, like, a, a dormitory that's attached to the facility that's for the coaches. They just live there. How depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that's going to come because college coaches work even crazier hours. So they got to recruit. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know what he's been watching, but if he watched Devin White and said, like, no, that's not the guy, I want to watch, I want to know why. <laughs> I want to sit next to him and just say, like, okay, well, show me why. Show me why he's not the guy, because to me, he is 100% the guy. And when he talked about Roquan Smith and why Roquan's the guy, he said, Roquan is a special player, a special individual. It's going to take me a while for me to see that in those other two guys. And when I thought it's going to take him a while, what does that mean? Does that mean he's going to have to see how these guys develop in the NFL to see if they develop into special guys? Because if that's the case, well, they're not going to be on the Broncos because you don't draft 
a guy at 10 who you don't believe is special yet. Or I go back to, there's no way he hasn't watched film on the, what's he waiting to see? I don't know. I really, I'm confused. I think his defense mechanism is just, I haven't watched much on that, you know, (laughs) then he doesn't have to comment on it. Like I told you before the show, I don't really believe the whole, he's only watched 150 plays from last season. Um, because it just doesn't – that sounds out of character for him. I think he would want every bit of information. Now, he doesn't need to judge these players when they come in, but I think he would want every bit of information on them, so when he sees them, he can say, okay, I know that this guy needs to work on this, regardless of the system that we're playing in. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't add up to me, so I think if he tells you, I haven't really watched much of of the team from last year, well, then he doesn't have to comment on it, and these players come in thinking, man, I'm going to get a pure, fresh start. So what you're saying is he's masterful. He's already mastered the media. I think he's a really smart guy who knows how to uh, how to manipulate a little bit. So should we just not trust any of this since it confused us anyways and threw us for a loop? And should we just pretend like today didn't happen? Let's just throw this out the window and talk <laughs> about food. I love it. That's a great plan. <laughs> no, I just I think he's really smart, man. I think he's really good at dipping, dodging, diving, ducking, and dodging. <laughs> Little dodgeball player yeah. over there. Yeah, I, I uh, and I respect it. I also think he's very straightforward in a different way. Like he, like I don't think he's very good at beating around the bush. He's not a guy who's going to tell you, well. You know, this guy, he has this going for him and that going. He'll, he'll just be stand up there and say he has to be better. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I like that about him. But I also think Vance Joseph had no savviness with the media. None. Zero. Negative. He, he. <laughs> Tell me your true feelings. He couldn't, you know, he couldn't sell anything. I didn't believe a word he said when he was trying to lie. And when he wasn't when he wasn't trying to lie, he was too forthcoming, and it made him sound bad. And I think Vic Fangio is the exact opposite. I think he's really clever, and really smart, and really calculated. I think Vic Fangio has a guy at inside linebacker. I don't know who it is. It could be one of the Devons. Could be Mac Wilson. He, I think he's identified a guy because he said a few things. Hey, it may have all been calculated and and been genius, but he said a few things where I'm thinking. Wait, what? When he's talking about inside linebackers, he goes, the thought process that a guy is a first down or a second down player and not a third down player, you're defending third down stuff on first and second down too. I think that's a thing of the past to say a guy is a one down player, a two down player. I don't look like to look at things that way anymore. So to me that says one of your linebackers has to be a cover guy, right? Has to be. I mean, he, he, he says it there. You have to have that on first, second, and third down. Right now, Ryan, do the Broncos have that in Josie Jewell and Todd Davis? Heck no. No, they're both thumpers. They're both, you know, sure tacklers. No one describes them as as fast cover guys that can hang with everyone. Then later he talks about it, and he he was asked something like, well, if you don't get one of those guys, what happens? And he said, well, we, we I was successful with that with Navarro Bowman in San Francisco. He ran a 4-7 when he came out, but he had great instincts. And he said, maybe we'll be playing with players like that. Well, that doesn't sound like he's too excited to be stuck with playing with players like that. And then he added a great line. He said, a great carpenter doesn't blame his tools. He just figures it out. I loved that. Uh, Because 
he's right. Now, do you think there's when I after I heard that my first reaction was, "Wow, great quote, very co- <laughs> very good coach quote." And then I thought to myself, "Man." Is he having to talk himself into how he's going to figure this out with the linebackers? Because John said, because John told him, hey, man, I didn't hire the best linebackers coach ever to have to go invest a bunch of linebackers. I want you to make these guys work. What if John told him that quote? When right, Vic's right, like, right. yeah, John, one of these, at 10, I want one of these Devons. He's like, Vic? Listen, Vic. <laughs> a great carpenter doesn't blame his tools. He just figures it out. He just figures out how to build it. Man, that's that's the other side, right? Um, so I I have no clue. I know less today about what, what they're going to do than I did before. Um, I think interior defensive line is one that that we've talked about. We've obviously talked about Ed Oliver. But, you know, maybe somehow Quinn and Williams falls or whatever. Oof. That would be crazy. I think maybe that's one like that we haven't talked quite enough about. That's not getting the buzz around Denver. You know, um, middle linebackers, because of players like uh, Devin White, who just absolutely flash on tape, they're easier to get excited about, I think, for fans, which is interesting because interior defensive line is arguably a more important position. But when like you can watch Devin White and be like, wow, highlight tape, you know? Quinn and Williams and Ed Oliver, you definitely can. It's not as flashy or exciting. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons. Like, just line play in general doesn't necessarily get people out of their seats. So, I'm, I'm, that's like the one today where after everything, I'm thinking like, well, maybe we just haven't talked enough about uh, interior defense line. Maybe it's my dark horse of the day. Dark horse of the day. And I like that. I can get behind that because I started – when this whole draft process, and we started thinking about the draft in October, the very first non-quarterback I thought was Ed Oliver. It, that could be the Broncos' pick because of he may be falling, this and that, and just how dominant that could be. And and the, the first word that I thought was dangerous, and we've continued to talk about that, how dangerous that would be, pairing it up with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. And as the weeks have gone on, and especially the last three weeks— the defensive line has just got a lot more intriguing because worst case, we know there's going to be a great player there on the defensive line. It doesn't matter who it is. They're going to be a player. And if you have a guy like Ed Oliver fall to you, who before the season, a lot of people thought was the number one overall pick in this draft this year. And then some, what a lot of people are saying is not important off field stuff happened and he's falling now, falling now, 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 now in his size, which we talked about his size yesterday. I'm not concerned about on your defensive line. He can bulk up to over 300 and be just fine. So I'm not worried about that at all anymore. <sighs> yesterday, I was at, 46% that it was inside linebacker, 45% that it was defensive line, and, you know, the nine other percent that it was quarterback or whatever. I think defensive line has taken over. And what, what Vic talked about today, specifically with the defensive line, when he was asked about Shelby Harris, he said Shelby can play everywhere on the line. But you know what? Every defensive lineman needs to be needs to play everywhere on the line. I consider them all defensive tackles because they all need to be able to play at every position whenever needed. And so that just screams the importance of defensive line to me. Yeah, and, and Ed Oliver is definitely a guy who can be versatile in that right. So 
May I'm I'm lost. I think it's Well, where do you stand on the quarterbacks after today? I'm never I, the the Broncos aren't drafting a quarterback. And what today made you think that? No, nothing about today really gave me reason to go one way or the other. You know, Vic Fangio wasn't going to sit up there and say, "Yeah, we're not evaluating the quarterbacks." You know, <laughs> especially after they kind of said that. Well, he said he hasn't <laughs> done it yet, but he couldn't sit sit up there and say, "Look, we're not. We got our quarterback. We don't need to evaluate them." Um, especially after they just decided to bring in all four of them. You know, or is it three or four? Four. Four of them. So. I don't. I don't think he was gonna, you know, come back out today. Today after they just did that and say, "Oh yeah, we're not, we're not really studying the quarterbacks, guys." Come on. So, I, I just, I've ever since being at the combine, talking to who we talked to, I don't think quarterback is on the board. And I will say there's some credence to the fact when you said they've plugged almost every hole. Now they can go get a quarterback if they want to. That like makes it like go to one percent from zero in my mind because to me it's still the one position who isn't going to help you on the field this year, and they are on a this year timeline. The, when you when we talk to John Elway, it is so clear how it is. Win now, do everything you can to win now. And when you talk to Vic, you you kind of breathe a little bit. You're like, okay, some some pressure, just a, a little bit of stress for this year is kind of off. He's seeing like the bigger picture, and I think that dynamic is is really good. And that's that's the feeling I got from Vic today was, um, you know, yes, we're talking to these quarterbacks. It, the fact that he still hasn't looked at them, I think that speaks volumes to where they're at right now. And heck, they they the entire organization could spend the next month just looking at quarterbacks and they'd have plenty of evaluation and that would be fine seems pretty clear that that's not what they're gonna do is just waste every I shouldn't say waste use every single resource um on that but I it's refreshing talking to Vic because when he talked about the quarterbacks he said they come in all different shapes and sizes forms fits and it's just total opposite of what John said about shorter quarterbacks at the Combine, specifically Kyler Murray. You want to know what a random thought I had today listening to all this? What? I think there's a scenario where one day John Elway isn't the GM and Vic Fangio steps into head coach GM Mike Shanahan style. That would be good news for Broncos. I mean, there's a lot of success that's happened. I think Vic Fangio really believes in his evaluation of players. I think so, too. And I think... After, you know, we'll say four more years or three more years of doing these drafts from a head coaching position, I think that if Joe Ellis or Brittany Bullen, um, who is certainly on the inside track now, as we've always said, um, if you didn't know, sorry to go off track, but Brittany Bullen will come into a senior management role, which is like exactly what the um, Pat Bullen trust list says you need to be in with the Broncos within the year so again um it's hers to lose and joe ellis didn't beat around the bush when when asked if she was going to be put in difficult situations he said yeah we need to see if she can uh live up to those expectations and handle pressure situations uh like future roles could have they're they're not hiding this ryan we've known it we've been telling you guys for forever but this is maybe after roger goodell's comments at the Super Bowl, the Broncos felt the pressure. 
and they said, okay, we need to make a move to get this handled so that the NFL doesn't step in and so that if the NFL steps in, they side with us and they don't make us sell or go that direction. So we're going to show the NFL that we're, we have a plan in place, and that first step is bringing in Brittany Boland. Anyways, if Brittany Boland goes to him, you know, when John Elway decides to move on or retires or whatever it is and says, hey – how do you feel about being, you know, head coach GM and then we'll bring in some personnel help uh, for you? I think he would embrace that role. I think what the Broncos should do at that point is just not bring any more help in since they already have a small personnel department. Just let Vic do everything. He can evaluate everyone. There you go. <laughs> Works for me. I like his evaluations, especially uh, with quarterbacks. Because what he had to say about Kyler Murray was spot on. Yeah, <laughs> you like uh, he. Here's what he said about Kyler. He said he's a special athlete, dynamic player, fast, elusive, can throw. This guy can throw. Obviously, that jumps out to you easily from the TV scouting. I think he's going to be a good player in this league. He'll be a success as a quarterback. And that last line to me, Ryan, was really kind of the Lamar Jackson treatment. He he's going to be a good quarterback. For someone else. Well, I mean, we've always known that. <laughs> Not always, actually. There was a time where I tried to, to build the hope. Um, but for, you know, whatever it is, two months now, we've known that that's the truth. But he is going to be a success in this league, so Vic Fangio's right. <laughs> um, couple other things. Well, real quick, we didn't, go, we didn't divulge too much into this. Um, the, the 150 plays thing, do you like that? Do you not like that? Do you believe it? Do you not believe it? Man, and, I mean, and, we, we, we talked right before this, and you were telling me just how masterful you think Vic is with the media already. And if so, he's masterful. Because the, the line that I just can't get around is he said he surprised John Elway with how little he's watched of the Broncos. I mean, if that, if that was a lie, this guy's brilliant. He's going he's gonna to kill with the media. The Broncos are throwing smoke screens left and right. It's great. It's weird because... Vic, because uh, Vance Joseph couldn't have surprised John with everything because he was just breathing down his neck 24-7. <laughs> if he told John, I've only watched 150 places, John would be like, yeah, I know. I have it right here on my notepad. <laughs> I've been watching you on my uh, surveillance footage. Vic has taken all of those out uh, or replaced them with paper. Uh, as we know, he, he goes old school. Do I believe that? <sighs> That's hard to think that a guy that loves watching film wouldn't have watched these old Broncos. But you know what? I do believe it. I do believe it. And the reason is, I think that... I don't believe it. <laughs> I, don't, I, can't, I can't believe that. How, how would you not watch your own team? And I, I guess, do you believe it? No. Yeah. I don't because he just seems like a guy who just loves information. Do you think Peyton Manning, when he came to the Broncos said I, I wanted to give everyone a fresh slate in my offense right no he wanted every bit of information possible now he was willing to give everyone a fresh slate in his offense I believe but when Vic Fangio sets foot on the field for OTAs I just find it hard to believe he's going to be like oh uh who's 43 over there oh, Joe Jones huh <laughs> interesting player interesting player Kind of has some of that stuff that I like. Speed, huh? Well, all right. Well, I'm going to write him down, watch him a little bit more. You know? Like, that just seems crazy to me. And you know he and John Elway have had conversations on, do we keep Derek Wolf? 
Do we keep Emmanuel Sanders? But then also the, the, the smaller guys that still have contracts. Okay, what's our vision for him? They've, they've had to have had conversations about every single guy on the roster, not just the guys they've had to make decisions on, but all of these guys. And Vic isn't going to say, haven't watched that guy. Haven't watched that guy. I don't know, John. Haven't watched him. Or like, as they're sitting, as he's sitting in a meeting with Rich Scangarello and, and Skangs is like, all right, man. We, I mean, we have to get this ball to Lindsay out in the flats more. This dude's just incredible in open space. And Fangio's like, Lindsay, he's the running back, right? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Haven't watched much. Only watched Hireman because we had to make a decision on him. <laughs> oh, but then I think of the other side. And a few times today, he dropped the, specifically with the inside linebackers, he dropped the, I'm a lot more familiar with Josie because I scouted him coming in because we were interested in drafting him when I was in Chicago. He did the same thing with Bradley Chubb. And when it came to Todd Davis, he goes, yeah, I'd watch more Josie. I don't know. Maybe it is the truth. That's crazy. That's just wild. He also doesn't name a lot of players by name, so that would also go to it. Like The only safety he ever talks about is Justin Simmons. And really quick on Justin, again, we talked about it on yesterday. On Sunday when he was asked about the safety position, um, he said, you know, the other position outside of Justin's wide open. Today, he was talking just about the state of the defense and said we're in a much better spot now than I was when I took over the Bears defense because we have Vaughn and Bradley. We have Chris. We have a good safety in, in Simmons. It's like, what about Will Parks, man? I know. Maybe he just hasn't watched. Because <laughs> he, he scouted Simmons when he was with the Bears. So then I have to ask. Do you like that? No, Is I that hate okay? it. Is that okay? Okay. <laughs> I just I'm trying to think of how that could be a good thing. A lot of people are praising him for that on social media, saying like, "This is great. Give everyone, you know, a, a fair shot. Don't come in with preconceived notions." And I get that, but it, can't can't there be a middle ground where you can watch <laughs> and also not, you know, uh, have preconceived notions about guys? Yes, there has to be. That's what I think is the right thing to do. And again, what is he doing with all this time <laughs> in the facility? Maybe it's a really big facility and he still hasn't got the full tour. I mean, he honestly could have watched every single play of every game last year in like the first week with the amount of time he's staying there. This is a guy who it was reported, I think, by Peter King. The first thing he did after getting the job was he went up to his office, put a, in, he was wearing sweatpants, started watching film. Before he got a tour of the facility, he was watching film. Of what? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not of college, guys. Maybe just the Bears. He was just reliving the glory days. He was watching a film. <laughs> One of the, you know, he's watching it. Goodfellas. <laughs> over and over and over again. This is big fan of watching movies in his office. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't buy it. I just, for a guy who cares so much about information and knowing, you know, knowing what you're getting into, I just, I can't see him getting out there and being like, "Wow, Lindsay." fast he's popping off the tape or he's popping off the field especially an old school guy you know people that want to shy away from film no coach can completely shy away from film but analytics are are kind of allowing uh people to move a little bit away from film and just bring something else into the equation that's not Vic now maybe I'm sure he'll incorporate analytics but he's not going to be a guy that's just going to abandon film or even just value film less I don't see that at all yeah, I have a hard time with it. So I, I don't uh, like, like I said, I think it's with good intentions. Yeah, I think his goal is to make every player feel like they're coming in on on even ground. And I'm sure when he addresses them on on what is it, April second, 
Yep. I'm sure when he addresses them, he'll say, look, boys, I I watched very few uh, plays from your season last year. I don't care about your season last year. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. Now, of course, I watched, you know, Shelby because we had to look at his option and Emmanuel. And, you know, I, I watched those guys. But the rest of you, you're this is a first impression today. So I don't care if you're drafted in the seventh round. I don't care if you were drafted in the first round. I don't care if you were benched last year because you were so horrible. doesn't matter to me. This is a fresh start. Take today as your opportunity to start clean with me and show me why you're the guy that you, that should be here. And I love it. And I absolutely love that message that he's giving. And I understand that he has to start that now. And also, when I say that, you know, Vic's just lying to us at all of these things, that's great. You think Bill Belichick is telling the truth and is so open and honest with his reporters? No, not at all. And that's okay. That's okay because especially right now, one month before the draft, you don't expect everything to be the truth. And also you don't want the the full truth out there. Every head coach sat uh, in Phoenix today and had to talk to reporters for an hour. I, that There were probably more lies than truths out there. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Speaking of smoke screens, by the way, I thought um, – Cliff Kingsbury's response about Kyler Murray was also too forward and like positive. Didn't he rave about him? Yeah. <laughs> Someone was like, "What? When you look at the tape, what do you like about Kyler Murray?" And he was like, "The better question would be, what don't you like? <laughs> he can throw. He can run. He leads his team. He just named off all the things you would want in a quarterback." And then he said, "He's one of the best dual threat players to ever play the game." <laughs> I was like, "That feels a little." Smoke screeny. Like, you went in a little too hard. Unless today they just need to announce that they are trading Josh Rosen and drafting him. That does feel very weird. And is it just a ploy to get the Raiders to trade up? It's a good, it's, it's, they're working hard on it, if so. My question to that is, and it was the same question I had when the San Francisco 49ers traded with the Bears so the Bears could draft Trubisky, is what happens if... if if I don't trade with you, what's going to happen? Are you just going to draft him? You weren't going to draft him if I was if I was going to trade with you? It it doesn't make sense. I'd say, no way. I'm not going to give you two first-round picks. Now, maybe the Cardinals say, okay, well, the Dolphins have a trade with us to move up and grab him, and then that's where it gets interesting. But it, it's always such an interesting dynamic with trades like that because the way the Cardinals are building Kyler Murray up, they're going to want a ton for him. I just say, if a deal, this is one of those times where deals go down. Owners meetings, coaches are there, GMs are there. Yep. Maybe they were trying to, they were really trying to get that message out there so that someone would come in today with an offer for Josh Rosen. Maybe that's the other side to it, is they want people to think, wow, they really are going after Kyler Murray. Let's make them our, their, let's make them our best offer. It's funny how this season can either be smokescreen season or smokescreen for smokescreens. And that, that, that's kind of what Fangio said when talking about these guys that they're bringing in for top 30 visits. I'm going to read you the whole quote. He says, some, some guys you're bringing in just to get a little better feel for. Some guys you're bringing in because you feel like you have a lot of questions you want to ask and get answered. I wouldn't get too enamored with who we're bringing in or the th- or who the 31 other teams are bringing in. It could mean something. It might not mean something. I think guys that try and read the tea leaves of the draft drive themselves crazy. Some of those guys you're just bringing in as a smokescreen. So he admits it. He admits it. Now, our job is to find out which ones are smokescreens. 
Kyler Murray. Smokescreen. Actually, not, <laughs> not even. I, I don't even know what that is. That's uh, that's scouting report. Yeah, that's I just... I guess that's another um, angle. You have smokescreens, you have true interest, and you have... We haven't, we're not drafting this guy, but we just want to look at him. <laughs> exactly. We want to know what we're going to be going up against. What if... Uh, and they can put these guys through a workout, right? Yep. What I mean, is there any chance... Any chance that they get Kyler Murray out there on the field and John Elway just says, wow, I didn't realize he was this good. As a wide receiver. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only chance I see it happening. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm just – I don't understand how he could not see it. But <laughs> I could see – not actually, but Kyler's, you know, running out there, bombing passes 70 yards, and John just like, how do you do that? Being like so small and stuff. John's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> he goes and gets those giant like things that the wide receivers have to run around. <laughs> yeah. Puts like five of them in front of him. He's like, do it again. <laughs> He's like, no shit. <laughs> uh, that's fu- I mean, I just don't, un- I don't understand how John Elway could sit there and look at this guy and not say like generational talent. <laughs> That's what Vic was saying. That's, I know. Or I guess Cliff was saying. Cliff was saying that. Vic said he's going to be a successful quarterback, which would be better than the Broncos have ever drafted. Let's say, let's say that Vic also thinks Dwayne Haskins, Andrew Locke. He truly believes that those guys will be successful quarterbacks. If they're there at 10, do you pick them? Say it again. If, if Vic and the Broncos believe that Dwayne Haskins, Andrew Locke will be just like Kyler Murray in terms of a successful quarterback in the NFL, if one of them's there at 10, do you pick him? Successful isn't good enough. Hmm. Um, they have to believe that he is going, that they are a Super Bowl winning quarterback, a future Super Bowl MVP, a, a generational type player, because you've already invested so much in this year. To go now, and um, Mel Kuyper said something interesting today. Now, I, I don't always trust everything Mel Kuyper says, but I just thought it was interesting. He said, I think if they were to draft a quarterback, they would be drafting them for the next GM. Hmm. Which was just, wow. Like, he said it's so um, matter, matter of, of fact, fact yeah. that, again, it's just I, I don't see John Elway saying let's – Let's have this guy so that we can be better in three years. Yeah, yeah. It's win now. It's focused on that. Should be. I mean, at the beginning of offseason, I was full on rebuild mode, and I still believe that probably would have been the best method. But now that every move you've made has not been rebuilt, not one thing has said rebuild, you can't do that and then turn around and, and draft a quarterback for the future. All right, Zach, plenty more to talk about. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. Strava is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. What you'll see is that this CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. You name it, Strava Craft Coffee has helped. CBD is an all-natural and non-psychoactive ingredient, plus the coffee is rich and tasty. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and they'll ship it straight to your door. 
All right, Zach, I'm sure there are plenty of questions, people that want to chime in. So what do we got here? This one, first off the bat, is hilarious. Mr. Freeze chimes in and says, but Keyshawn Bieria wears number 40. That's a very good point. <laughs> we, we spent all that time thinking about numbers yesterday. We didn't even think of the fact that a linebacker already wears it. I think if you draft a guy 10 overall as opposed to a guy who didn't play much last year and was a sixth-round pick, I think he probably gets the number he wants yeah. and has the money to hand it out if he wants. To. Yeah, I think this is one where there would actually have to be an exchange yeah. to get the number. Because he's a rookie? Because he's coming in as a rookie, and two, because Keyshawn Bieria isn't you know, just an undrafted guy or you know, a Garrett Grayson of the world, um, I think there would probably have to be some sort of exchange. You're, you wore number 11, is that right? Double, you were number one twice yep. the, growing up. How much, let's say, how much would someone have to give you in order for you to give that up? You're telling me I'm the quarterback of the Denver Broncos and I wear number 11. The quarterback, wow. Well, that's the only position that can wear, oh, a uh, wide receiver can also wear 11. You're a wide receiver, there we go. Because a, a, quarterback, a quarterback would never give up their number. But I and would I don't never you, be a wide receiver. I don't want to put you in like a Garrett Grayson, like third string court. I, I don't think you'd ever be third I'm string. I'm the starter. Right? <laughs> no, um, I don't think, I don't think there's, I mean, I'm already a millionaire. So what kind of money are you giving me? That's going to move the needle for me. Okay. I'll put you in Keyshawn Bieria's role. You are, I don't know if he's a millionaire, just under, just under. Yeah. Probably made 700 or something last and year. And you know this guy that has number 40 is rolling in with what? 5 million this year? 4, 3 million? He just got a signing bonus of 5 million dollars. What are you demanding to change that number? As as you just made $600,000 last year. I'm demanding something that makes my life easier because mm. I already have money. <laughs> I'm saying like you got to bring me coffee every morning. <laughs> That's it? I think that is worth it. From No from, one has a Keyshawn Bieria jersey out there, so it's not like he has to worry about his fans. From a place, or he just has to go to the nice espresso machine in Broncos facility, press oh, the no, button. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> On your way to the facility, you got to go to Starbucks and get my order. Every single day? Every day. What would you go with in that position? You can't just go black coffee no, if you're I, demanding that. Well, I, I go through cycles, okay. but currently I'm on a iced blonde Americano. Mm. with a a very very light splash of heavy cream and are we going venti yeah you, you, you just have to go the biggest one if someone else is getting it right i mean i just go in that sense i just yeah i i'm one of those people where like i'm if i'm buying the drink i'm just gonna get the biggest one <laughs> also i need all four shots of espresso in there. <laughs> yeah and blonde isn't blonde even more caffeinated i don't think so it's just smoother okay. a little bit lighter i'll have to try that it's good you're into blondes huh Actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is the opposite of my type. Um, but I do like the blonde Americana. It is, uh, or just their blonde espresso is, is very good. Um, that, that to me, that's worth it. Because then, and like, oh, and if for some reason you're late and you don't go to Starbucks, there has to be some sort of big penalty written into the contract. Like two Starbucks the next day. No, like five grand <laughs> there you go there you go and that that also would have just the starbucks itself would have some financial value to you in the in the long run yeah you're thinking you know f five days a week yeah 
five days six a week during the season six days a week we'll say how many weeks out of the year uh what is it 25 oh no otas too yeah uh 40 yeah so help me out here math man uh hey. that's so sit what are we going five dollars a time yeah so 30 so is that 700 dollars that's it no no 1200 Okay, all right. Now, now we're talking. Twelve hundred bucks, and then plus a few late fees of five thousand dollars a piece. Yeah. <laughs> so again, it's not about the. It's really not about the monetary value. It's about the convenience. Mm. I've got a nice, cold, ice blonde americano at my locker every day when I walk in. That that's tough to beat. That is tough to beat. <laughs> so I know your price about twelve hundred bucks. No convenience <laughs> is my price. <laughs> Also, maybe like you have to commit to 10 nights of being my DD mm. out on the town. In the off season? Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> I'm just thinking things that can, that can benefit me beyond dollars. Since you're pretty good with $600,000 a year. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Got a nice house. I think Keyshawn is single. Not sure, but he's probably living, living pretty well. Yep, and then you can sleep in a little bit longer each day. So yeah, a lot of benefits to this plan. Yeah, maybe you also have to pick me up. Wow, wow. Although you probably want to like flex your cars in the parking lot. Most of the guys like to do that. You want to get them cleaned in that parking lot? Yeah, exactly. All right, next one here comes in from... I can't believe we got that much content out <laughs> of a four-word question. Uh, next one comes in from Trade for Rosen. It says, hey guys, what are your thoughts on the slow market for Shane Ray? Is there a super small chance he's back under a small contract is this due to a deep edge class will the market pick up once the draft is complete i'm feeling a trade back a few spots and hope for bush or hawkinson in the mid-teens so shane ray last week i believe he visited with the indianapolis colts i gotta think he's just he's taking his time now that you know he wasn't a top paid free agent i imagine he's just collecting offers right now i can't imagine that there would be no interest and he's just trying to drive that price up because he's probably realizing Shaq got one year, $5 million. I got to scrounge for every half million I can get. He's probably going to get one year, four, one year, three and a half. Yeah. And I think for him, Shane's a pretty smart guy. Um, and so I think for him, he's probably going to say, where is my best chance for success? Even if he has to take one year, two million this year, if it's in Los Angeles, Right. Where he has a chance to go out there and, and play on a really great defense where he has Aaron Donald on the interior. That's a smart move for him because if he goes and has a 10-sack season, well, he's going to get $10 million next year. Man, and to go and play with the Rams, that would be quite an opportunity. Also, to play with the Colts would be an opportunity. In terms of him coming here, I don't see it. I, I don't see it at all. Zero percent chance. Yeah, zero. There was some, some bridges burned there at the end. And went above just Vance. Yeah, yeah. The bridges were burnt. <laughs> uh, he chimes in again, Trade for Rosen, says, Just ordered my Mile High uh, Phil, mile high Salute Phil shirt using the promo code from the subscribe contest. Super excited to get it. Also, do you think there will be another run of the limited edition black homegrown shirt? Missed my opportunity on that one. Let me check on that real quick. Um, and when you're checking on that, there's some new shirts, speaking of shirts, that were dropped today. I'll just say they're gold, Ryan. Yes, they are gold, <laughs> pure gold. Um, in fact, you can actually get in, still get in on the limited edition fill right now, depending on what size you are looking for. 
Um, there are a few sizes left. We originally were just going to do one run of that, and then there was a huge demand for it around Christmas time. So we said, all right, we'll bring it back, and we have some leftovers from that run. So um, that is that is the uh, scenario on that one. As for um, the rest of you guys, I hope you're happy that we got you those promo codes like I told you we would. You came through in the clutch for us, Ryan. Sure did. You want to get the next one? He goes, also would love Jonah Williams if they traded back to the late teens. Set and forget at guard and then and then give him a shot at tackle if Bowles leaves in a year or two. In terms of interior offensive line, I think it's got to be addressed in the first three rounds. And I think an ideal situation in terms of addressing that would be to trade back in the first round late enough where you can pick up a second-round pick. So maybe it's with Washington at 15. You pick up their second-round pick. Now you have two second-round picks, and one of those you use on interior line. Maybe maybe you use that first-round pick that you trade back in order to get Jonah Williams. And, boy, I mean, we, we saw with the Colts just how valuable and excellent interior offensive lineman can be. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that Jonah Williams would be um, – Oh, what was his name last year? Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson. But if you get an excellent interior offensive lineman, especially if you pick up a second-round pick in the process, that, that's going to be hard to argue with. Don't forget, he's an Alabama guy. Mm. I believe multi-year starter, yes. too. Four-year starter. Yes. Yeah, that's gonna not probably going to work. Yeah, probably not. Uh, moving on here from Tom3565. By the way, I do think they do they need to address interior offensive line pretty early. And that's why I think that second round is is ideal for that, especially with Jonah Williams being the being the Bama guy. Yep. Uh, from Tom3565, he says, The one thing I get when listening to Fangio talk that I never got from Joseph is being comfortable with who he is and his coaching philosophy. I completely agree. Joseph seemed like a really good guy, but you never got the feeling of I would have loved to play for a coach like that. He's on better footing with Elway than VJ would ever be due to his age and experience. When I heard the Zach Kerr interview, I heard that he wanted to come back to play with this defense. I've not seen that with Joseph. Um, where, player, where players are hoping to go play with him at a talent-starved team. Or maybe that says more about those who are leaving than about Joseph. If the Broncos are pushing all the chips to the middle of the table this year, then at the top of the draft, they have to address the D-line, a.k.a. Ed Oliver or equivalent. A three-down inside linebacker hope um, a three-down inside linebacker hope for White to fall, but very unrealistic, but maybe someone that Fangio can make into a great player. Lastly, they need some speed or a bigger threat on the outside with speed. They, only, they have to upgrade tight end if they can get a year – one contributor for Flacco. Take the focus off Lindsey and Freeman as the only offense they have. Defense will be the way they really flip the field with turnovers and three and outs. Getting a big nasty D lineman will give Miller and Chubb the ability to get to the quarterback as well as the Smurf squad at cornerback <laughs> LOL by keeping receivers from getting open. Oh, and one last thing, corn pops and frosted flakes. Um but like Looked smacks. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. Isn't um, there a cereal called Smacks? Yeah, I think maybe? those are the ones that we were talking about. Sugar Smacks. Mm, yep, yep. The ones that were just little balls of sugar. Yeah, I never had those. Crunchy <laughs> balls of sugar. Um, okay, sorry for struggling through the comment a little bit there. 
he basically said if they're going all in, they have to draft every position in the first round. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I got. <laughs> and uh, sure, I like the plan. Get Hawkinson, get Devin White, get Ed Oliver. I like it. I like it. But it kind of sounds like you like the plan of Ed Oliver in the first, Mac Wilson in the second. You just you just can't address tight end. And I, I don't know if maybe you can get a – if you, if it's not Hawkinson or Fant, isn't it Jeff Hireman as your week one starter? Should be. Yeah. Um, what a, I'm thinking more along the lines of like Ed Oliver in the first, offense help in the second, whether that's line, whatever, and then Hanks in the third. Hmm. I'd be okay with that. Are we talking interior offensive line? Realistically, I know you'd be all about tackle. Could be interior offensive line. Uh, could also be wide receiver. Could it be Daniel Jones? No. <laughs> they had Peyton freaking Manning as win now as you could ever be, and they drafted Brock Osweiler in the second. It was a terrible decision that I <laughs> hope they regret. John got plenty of flack for it in the moment, and you get maybe he convinced himself after the Super Bowl, that was a good pick. I need to do that again. No. <laughs> because the the guy that we haven't talked about since the Senior Bowl, rightfully so, is Daniel Jones. And what if no one else is talking about him? What if Haskins slips to 15 and Drew Locke slips to 17 and then uh, Daniel Jones could easily slip into the second round? I guess he could. <laughs> I, I just – I really hope they learn from the Brock Osweiler incident. <laughs> because guess what? What John Elway really should have realized is that because I drafted a quarterback behind a guy who I already planned on being here long enough, I didn't get a good enough evaluation of the quarterback that guy was before I had to decide if I wanted to pay him or not. And so John was actually put in a really bad position where, yeah, Brock Osweiler was 5-2 and two as a starter, but he also sucked. And you couldn't see that because he was playing on a really, really good football team that went on to win the Super Bowl. But he was ready to pay Brock big money. And that would have been a horrible contract. On the flip side, is Kevin Hogan good enough to lead you for a few games if if something happens to Flacco? Sure isn't. Well, then you got to find a better replacement there if you're all about win now. I would have never re-signed Kevin Hogan. (laughs) Um, No disrespect, but... I would have said, hey, let's get a, um, you know, let's just get Tyree Jackson in the fifth or the fourth. And or maybe, Stidham. And maybe that's the plan. I just thought yesterday that slid into my mind and I thought, oh, wow. Wow, another second-round quarterback. And like I think both of us have said, second-round quarterbacks are the death. I mean, who's been there? Because in mid-round quarterbacks, people could, could look at uh, – Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. Sec- Russell was a second. Was he a second? I believe he was. Okay. Shortly thereafter, Brock Osweiler. Then I guess that's someone you could point at. But still, I mean, second round quarterbacks, anywhere from the mid 20s through the second round is just not a good place to draft quarterbacks. It's not. It's not. Avoid it. All right. From H Town Bronco, he says, Ryan, I have to give you credit. You'd make a great lawyer. It's funny he says that because my family used to always say that to me. <laughs> you never fold even when the evidence is right in front of you. As a kid, I bet everyone would prefer to do some knucklehead stuff with you because you'd never throw them under the bus. I respect the hell out of that. 
By the way, Mac is a great player in my opinion. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's I pretty, love rolling with you. He's pretty right on most accounts. <laughs> um, Wait, so speaking of being right and never backing down, Russell Wilson, third round pick. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I always, the reason I thought second in my mind was because it was all, he's always compared to Brock. Right. But I Same guess, draft though. Were they picking at the, no, because that was after the Tebow year. It was a 75th pick when Russell was picked. So what would that be? Mid third? So Brock was at the top of the second round, right? I think so. Because was that the same draft? Who else was in, Who was the first round pick in that draft? That couldn't have been top of the second round. Could it? Because that was right after, yeah, because it was first year of Peyton. So right after the 8-8 eight and eight Tebow year where they went on. So they were picking in, who was the first? It was Sylvester Williams. Sylvester Williams was the first round pick. Brock was the second. Ronnie Hillman was the third. Mm, you could just keep going down the line. Yeah, they. You could do this with most drafts. Um, yeah, Brock was a terrible pick. I, I, to this day, I don't get it. In fact, what if you drafted a player there? We'd have to go back and look at what players were available. What if you drafted a player there who could have helped you in Super Bowl Forty Eight? No, I'm not disagreeing with you. It was a bad pick. But now my question to you is: You say every move leading up to a Super Bowl champion chip is a good move. So wasn't this a good move? And couldn't John? convince himself it was a good move i do say that and that makes it defensible in hindsight okay in hindsight you can look back and say okay that actually helped us win a championship which it did it's not i would have had to make an amendment if he never saw the field i couldn't say like oh well his locker room presence helped him. <laughs> like I, I wouldn't have been able to sell that one but i will say it helped you win a super bowl championship which means it wasn't a bad pick that being said you could also look back and say could it did it co- also cost you a super bowl championship Hmm, maybe? Possibly. Now, I'd have to see what players were there. and you got to imagine there was a, a, a great player there. You have to imagine there was. And you also can't say that it, you know he would have made a 35-point difference in the Super Bowl, but you never know what could have changed. between. You know, you would have had a better defense all season. Maybe Vaughn doesn't get injured because that play is different because you have some guy on the defensive line who made a play before Vaughn got hurt. What if you drafted a 35-point difference maker? In the second round. <laughs> <laughs> then you got a quarterback who was really good. <laughs> they tried. <laughs> um, it's, it's crazy looking back, just thinking that, we, that anyone even thought the Broncos had a shot in that Super Bowl. Because everyone cared so little about defense in that moment. Everyone said, no matter, it doesn't matter. Peyton will just outscore them. What if they drafted a center in the second round? And that first there snap. There you go. Doesn't go the way it did. <laughs> there you go. Because Manny Ramirez definitely didn't uh, belong in that spot. No. In fact, Matt Paradis, they got in, what, the sixth round? Yeah. He should have been starting that game. But John Fox was really stubborn about having a veteran on the line. Um, I just – how did anyone think the Broncos were going to win without Von Miller, Chris Harris Jr., and Derek Wolf, who was – in his prime at that time it is what and weren't they six point favorites seven point favorites they were yeah they were big favorites because you got peyton it, but isn't that funny you looking back like now think about how much we talk about defense right now if any of those three not not all three if vaughn or chris got injured which chris did last season you basically can just call it call it over <laughs> yep back then all three three key defensive players went down and everyone was like that's oh, fine peyton wanted to score more points <laughs> yep wild that is crazy 
All right, he goes on to – this is still from H-Town Broncos. He says, I read an article in the Denver Post about stadium naming rights. Ellis spoke at the annual meeting a few days ago and said, quote, we're getting close with a company and still figuring out some details. Any inside info on the company by chance? Yes. It is BSN Denver. <laughs> Deep in, uh, in talks. The only difference is we're off about eight decimal points <laughs> on uh, the cost. So hopefully we can, you know, uh, get closer on that. So you're saying we'd put it, we'd put an offer out there. Yeah, we, we, uh, we made an aggressive <laughs> offer. So we'll uh, see. What what Ellis did say was it may not be done before the season. That's so bad. What what are we? It's March. It's almost April. The season's September. I mean, Zach, I have a lot of respect for Joe Ellis. Um, his story is pretty impressive. He essentially started as an intern in yep. the Broncos organization and worked his way all the way up to being the president and CEO of the team. Yep, I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah. I truly believe that if I took over the job today, I could have the naming rights done by the end of the week. <laughs> You'd be able to close the deal. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just. I'm not closing the deal. I'm just. I feel like I can just cold call every company, <laughs> every business that I want to do it, and say like, "Hey, what do, what's your offer? Take the best offer and be done with it." It just. It feels so bad because it feels normal now to just have stadium naming rights. And you're like, you're like, oh, we should just talk to someone in Boston, Houston, any other town. And of course, one of their, their, their stadiums is dealing with this. No, this is so foreign. It's just, it's dumb. Because the whole idea of waiting was to find like the perfect partner who isn't going to go bankrupt. What's happened is worse than that. You know? You've got no money. Right. Like, it would have been better to just partner with a company who, Three years ago, that would have been bankrupt by now. And then you could just do this all over again and just get another company. If they go bankrupt, you just do it again. Yep. And so that that's what he said. He said, our goal is that we, we, won't, we won't get a company that's going to go bankrupt. But you got to lock one up in order for them to go bankrupt. Like, you got you to gotta make it happen. Also, like, I just, I don't know. Maybe this is much harder than I think it is. But, like, you've got Coors Field, right? That has been incredible for Coors. In fact, I believe they signed a lifetime deal on that. Which they probably have gotten their money back. Oh yeah, fifty thousand times. Oh yeah. Um, why? Like, wouldn't Budweiser want their own representation in Denver to compete to compete with that? Mm. Shouldn't that be like an easy easy sell? Man, with how much they're going back and forth, with uh, how much these beer companies going back and forth yeah. with each other, that'd be fun. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so then you and Bud is a NFL sponsor. Yep. And they've worked with the Broncos before. Is there a stadium? You've got the Budweiser Event Center up there in northern Colorado. Is Are there no other big ones? How? There's not one that comes to my mind. Me neither. Um, there was Bush Stadium. Right. I don't know if that's owned How by would Budweiser. there not be a Bud Stadium or a Budweiser or a Bud Light? I don't know. Wow. Seems like Maybe an, that's it. Seems like an easy one. Maybe though. that's it. Maybe that's just something they, don't want to, they have a philosophy of not spending big money on interesting a weird story the Coors event center in boulder that's where the basketball team plays it's actually not called that anymore they also got a lifetime contract for making a big donation to the you know the stadium being built and then rick george essentially just said like hey can you please just let us out of that like you've obviously got your money back on it they said yes and they said yes wow good for that i think it was probably a little more painful than that (laughs) but it was just like hey like we'd really like to be able to make some money off this 
we've loved this partnership. Can like, would you be willing to pay? And they were probably like, no. And they're like, would you be willing to let us out? And they're probably like, yeah, go ahead. What is it? Nah. Right now it's just the CU event center. Okay. Wow. Impressive. So, uh, yeah. I was shocked. Like if I was Corzo, I'd be like, no, <laughs> lifetime contract. Exactly. You want, if you want to name it something else, you got to bulldoze it first. <laughs> Going on from H-Town Bronco. I've been calling it since, since, since December. If y'all remember being a, University of Houston alumni, Ed Oliver at 10. Sounds like it's picking up steam. He would be perfect. We need a player like that. Shoot, look at the Rams and Aaron Donald. Having someone with that type of game wrecking ability is huge. I love Devin White, but he'll probably be gone. Look, let me just say this real quick. If Ed Oliver was was Aaron Donald, (laughs) he'd be going number one overall. And that's why a lot of people think that Quinnen Williams is the closest thing to Aaron Donald. I'm not even saying he's the next. And that's why... He won't be there for the Broncos at 10. No chance. Exactly. But, man, if he's there. If he's there, it would be something crazy. And we'll talk more about that on the other side of this break. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here. And I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, Uh, The Buffalo Chicken Wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Final segment here on the BSN Broncos podcast, finishing up the questions from the subscribers, of which there are many new ones that we have to thank. So we really appreciate you guys for your support. Obviously, we love all of you, um, but we do appreciate everyone who's coming in uh, late to the game, late to the party, but the party's still going. Uh, This next one comes in from Mile High Down Under. He says, first up, thanks for the game-winning subscription slash MVP shout-out. He is one of our new subscribers. Uh, But with all due respect, you are the real MVPs. Mm, (laughs) Too cool. Without the pod, there are no game-winning subscribers and no BSN Broncos community. So I'll take it, but tip of the hat back to you two great men. Dang, you're my favorite subscriber now, Mile High Down yeah, Under. Great man. He's definitely the first one to ever call us great men. <laughs> he goes, I'm a first-time, long-time commenter. Uh, first-time commenter, long-time listener, and loving the content. I've had a long-standing argument with a mate that if you aren't geographically close to the sport, it's hard to get true insight into your team. That was before BSN. Even living all the way in Australia, listening to you guys daily and reading your content, I've been happily proven wrong. Man, that is, that is too cool. And that's one of the coolest things as this has grown is to just see how many places and, and how many oceans we've gone over to connect you guys. Now we just need to do our world tour. Yes, yes. We need to get the jet to take us everywhere. God, that would be sick. <laughs> he goes on, moving on from the love to the food chat. All right, so he says he's from what I would normally call Melbourne. That's what I would have said as well. But he says, pronunciation guide, because I know you just said Melbourne. (laughs) It's Melbourne. Really? And I think 
there's a little bit of Australian accent in there. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah. From Melbourne, Australia. Uh, you nailed it. <laughs> so we'll try and say that uh, better in the future. He says, I'm from Melbourne. So there's no point in flexing unless you guys uh, come here. There's no point in talking about all the amazing food we have here. Slight flex. But if you decide <laughs> to have your BSN Broncos victory party down here, hit up all the Aussies and we'd be happy to host you. What is Australian food? Uh, Vegemite. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds delicious. Have you heard of what that is? Not really. It's like this spread of sorts. I've heard it's not good. That's all I know. I've never had it, so I can't <laughs> I can't pass judgment. But it is a it's a spread that I just people associate with Australia. I'm sure that some of our Australian listeners will either come back and say it's great. Mm. Or they'll say, like, it's, that's not a real thing. That, that, <laughs> Don't associate us with that. Right. So I, but I think they'll say, like, what do you mean? It's delicious. Is it veggie? I have no clue. Why don't you look it up while I keep reading I'm here. a little nervous. Question time. We've had a lot of talk about the players in the draft that fit Vic's schemes. And I'm all in favor of Devin White or Ed Oliver. But what are your thoughts on players that actually fit Scangarello's offense, be it offensive line, tight end, or wide receiver in the draft, or on the current roster and if any key changes are clearly needed adding to the Aussie flavor mile high down under mm, so Vegemite it uh I'll show you a picture really quick I, I can picture that it's a little jar yep. it's a little jar yellow it is completely brown on the inside you could maybe convince yourself like a Nutella Vegemite is a thick black Australian food spread made from leftover brewer's yeast extract with various vegetable and spice additives. <laughs> I said I'll try anything. <laughs> I'd certainly try it. I just I don't know what that would taste like. Bitter, I assume. Hmm. You put it on bread? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'd try it. So would I. <laughs> um, anyways, Scangarello's offense. Are there cer- is there a certain pl- – we always talk about fit on the defense. Is there certain players – that that are at the top of this draft that fit better in Scangarello's offense. Mm, in terms of the draft, you got to be athletic if you if you're going to be on the offensive line. Um, in terms of receivers, I mean, you have to have some sort of a deep threat, and you don't even have to. Holy cow! <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just looked up in the crazy thing on the TV. A guy. Is fine, but flipped over his motorcycle. Yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. In terms of tight ends, I mean, you... You, you need one. Yeah, you need... Exactly. Um, and running backs, you have to have vision. And the tight end does need to be able to do both things. Um, like, you can't just have a pass catcher. Like, Jimmy Graham, of course, is a great player. But he's not the the exact tight end you would target for this system <laughs> um i would say that when it, when it comes to offense and skill players <laughs> did you see that one yeah. <laughs> for some reason on the tv there's uh they're just showing motorcyclists flip over their bikes but end up being okay <laughs> it's just not what you expect when you look up doing the pod <laughs> especially on espn um <laughs> I think when it comes to skill position players, most of them, if they're good, can work in most offenses. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Now, there are exceptions. And there are running backs who work better in zone schemes and running backs who look better in power schemes. And there are tight ends who work better in spread offenses and et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, especially when it comes to wide receivers, if you're good, you, you're, you're a fit. So here's what we know about fit. The offensive linemen have got to be somewhat athletic or, or very athletic. And the quarterback can't be short. Sure, that is yeah. Quarterback is a totally different thing. Quarterback is all about fit. But for the rest of the the uh, positions, offensive line obviously you need to be a little more athletic for this scheme. Like you said, running back vision is very important. Wide receiver, it's really just a mixed bag. Um, you can make most guys work. Tight end, you need a more versatile one. I think it's a it's a very good question though. All right, this next one comes in from JD Fry, and it's an interesting one because for us it's something that's very obvious. But probably for people who don't work in the journalism industry, he might not be the only one who's who's wondering this. He says, can you guys explain how sources work? How do you acquire them without tipping your sources, of course? Are they assigned to your company or do you have to ask them? Do you get annoyed? Do they get annoyed by you asking them for all this information? Genuinely curious. LOL. Thanks, guys. Despite me disagreeing with Ryan all the time, doesn't mean I won't listen. I'm a lifetime member. It's going to take a lot for me to not listen. <laughs> I guess you have me here to pretty much mostly disagree with he com- he uh he committed he, he went in too hard before he realized he didn't like me <laughs> all right sources well i'll start from from the back going forward they definitely aren't assigned although that would be very nice <laughs> boy that'd be convenient wouldn't it you just showed up and they handed you a little you know they gave you a desk at the facility handed you a little card here's your source don't reveal it you know keep this somewhere safe here's their number like a like a clue card. Ask them whatever you want and they'll answer. Yeah. That's not how it works though. I wish it was. Source getting sources is a, the hardest part of this job, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, because it's not something that you can just clap your hands or snap your fingers and have it happen. It's something that you have to earn by doing good work, by tenure. You gotta you gotta be around for a while. Um, you have to be trustworthy in terms of not revealing your sources or putting them in a bad position. Uh, and you also just have to be a person that people like, you know? Yeah. And so, it, it, you know, it's something that is delicate. It's something that, you you know, you asked, do they ever get annoyed? Of course. You have to be careful. You know, I call it using a bullet. Like, if you're going to use a bullet in the in the sense of calling up calling up a source trying to get information you better think it's information that's worth it right um so it's it's a it's all it's there's no exact science to it but it's about meeting people making relationships proving yourself to be you know someone who's not out to get them uh, but someone who wants to work hard and get information and also a lot of times um having something to give in return now it's not always easy to come up with things like that, but you know, especially when I worked in the college ranks, um, there was a lot of give and take. Okay, well, I'll tell you that if you can find out this for me, right. because with recruit with recruiting, there's times where they can't talk to the players. There's a lot of stuff, so it's like, okay, oh, oh you're talking to that guy. Hey, would you ask him this and let him let me know what he says? You know, so that's that's very low level kind of getting around the the rules there but there are there's give and take a lot 
uh, with sources, but it's certainly not an exact science. It's certainly not something that they just give to you. Um, and for me, what I've learned, especially at the highest level, which the NFL is probably the highest level when it comes to any of this stuff, is you have to earn your keep by being around, by being there, by being on the road, by doing whatever it is um, that, that makes them say, okay, that guy's legit. Yeah, it's about building relationships. And that's that's why it's the hardest thing in this industry is because there's no book to it. Uh, no one tells you, okay, if you do this, this, and this, then you'll get this great source. If you do, if you do 10 things more than someone else, they just knew them from college. And so they already have the source locked there's in. There's another one. And you just know someone. Exactly. And they don't have to show up. They don't have to do all of those things. Um, and really time especially with the Broncos, with an organization like this, when there's so many outlets that want to cover them, you just have to show that that you're, you don't just want to cover them, but that you will cover them. And so it's really a time thing and who you know rather than what you know. Also, you got to be uh, someone who's not um, afraid of rejection. Right. Because you're going to get text not returned. You're going to get <laughs> someone saying, no, I'm not telling you that. You're yeah. going to get a lot of no's. Yeah. But... It's worth it if you get one yes on a big story. Exactly. All right, next one here is from Andre. He says, "Hey, RK and Z, we've heard from jo- we heard from Joe Ellis in Arizona yesterday talking about naming rights and ownership of the Broncos. How much do you guys think these two topics are a problem for the current moment for the Broncos in terms of national media recognition, respect, and also inside the building? Thanks and keep up the awesome work." Um, the naming rights thing doesn't matter on a national stage. I don't think now where I would have lost it is if did you hear when someone said the the Raiders are out on Le'Veon Bell because they don't have the cash on hand Hmm, yes remember that yep if that would have been said about a player the Broncos were pursuing this offseason I would have blown a gasket yeah because I would have said you're leaving 10 million dollars at least on the table by not having this damn naming rights thing figured out and then you could have got that player and now you not figuring that out is affecting the product on the field the Broncos haven't gotten to that point yet, so that's that's okay. You know that would have been a storyline if it if there were if that same exact thing would have came come out of the Broncos. Well, the Broncos are interested in Le'Veon Bell, but they don't have the cash on hand to pay for it. Essentially, any um, any money that you guarantee to a player has to go into a separate bank account that can't be accessed. So you got to have cash, um, and so it doesn't seem like the Broncos are bereft of cash right now, and. That saves me from really losing my mind when it comes to this thing. Yeah, and you talked it. You touched on it at the very beginning of your answer. In terms of a national perspective, Adam Schefter's of the world and ESPN—they're never talking about the naming rights stadium with the Broncos. So it's not a national thing. It's and it's not a thing that we talk about on a daily basis. But it still is just such a bad look and waste of money. Yeah, exactly. And when you look, it's it's terrible business. And when you look up at, at the stadium. And there's just the Broncos logo on a banner, yeah. not even like a built sign. That's a bad look. It is, and it's I definitely and, and I don't and Joe Ellis wouldn't defend it. I I don't know how he could. I don't know how anyone could. Um, as for the ownership, yeah, that's that's something that the longer it plays out, the uglier it's going to get from a national perspective. It's also it's not something that you guys are even that interested in. So national people really aren't that interested in it either, but. What what national people do like is controversy and family feuds mm-hmm. and <laughs> that sort of stuff. So if it comes out that someone's taking shots at someone else, then it will get national steam. 
And then, like we've talked about before, there's a chance of the NFL coming in and say, hey, what's going on here? You, you got you got to stop this. Exactly. Next one coming in from Bleed Orange and Blue says, thank you, RK, for being a man of your word. I got an email today about the free shirt right after listening to the pod. I just got a Philip Lindsay Broncos homegrown shirt. I think it is so cool we have fans from countries like Brazil, Australia, England. It's great to see the fan base be global. Keep up the good work, boys. Will. P.S. Whoever doesn't drink their milk after finishing their cereal is missing one of the joys of life. Amen. (laughs) And I think that is a good note for us to end on here today, Zach. But before we let you go, I got to tell you about our friends over at Total Beverage, where you can order your liquor on a mobile app and have it delivered to you that same day while saving money. Yep, that is the truth. Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they're locally owned and operated, so you're helping out the local guy. And if you're listening to this podcast, we know you love the local guy. For a limited time, Total Bev will offer $10 off your purchase of $50 or more on their website, TotalBev.com, and their app, the Total Beverage app. Use promo code BSN10 to get that $10 off your order of $50 or more for all of your March Madness parties or whatever else you have going on as we jump into spring. Download that Total Beverage app and use the promo code BSN10. By the way, before we totally close things up here, I want to thank anyone who went and voted for BSN Rockies in that poll yesterday. We totally came through, and we're in the championship, so we're going to need your support tomorrow, too. Thanks for all you guys do, and we'll catch up with you later. It's getting me down.